thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. There are no idle words in prayer. There are no, when you come before the Lord and you begin to pray, you have to understand we are praying in the Spirit. Listen, this is, it's not a Pentecostal thing. It's not a Methodist thing. It's not a Catholic thing. not a Presbyterian thing. It's a, it's a Christian thing. So remember, there is praying in the Spirit. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. It's the second thing, there is speaking in the Spirit. As it says here, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints, and also for me that words may be given to me by opening of, of my mouth. So again, this is another act in praying in the Spirit. There's a distinction here that Paul's making that I can speak naturally or I can speak by the Spirit. So one has little impact and the other has a major impact. Speaking not in the spirit has little impact. Speaking in the spirit has significant impact. And before I speak anywhere, even before I spoke tonight on the drive here, I pray, Lord, I ask you to anoint my words. I, God, I want your spirit to be on my words, that they're just not empty words. Listen, I've heard a lot of good messages, but the message didn't seem to penetrate my heart. And that's, I, I think, words that are anointed by the Spirit, that have this, this authority on them. That's why one person can speak one message, and it's like his or her words pierce your heart. It just goes straight to your heart. It's like an arrow, like, and we, we've been around those messages before. Another person could speak the exact same message, and it's like they're the Charlie Brown teacher. Have you, you know, have you heard the Charlie Brown teacher? The want, 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 want. Hopefully that's not what you're hearing tonight. But there's a difference. There's words anointed by the Spirit, the Spirit of God that have an authority on them. So there's a, there you can access that by every word that we say. We call this an anointing. It's not just for the preacher. It's for all of us. That when you speak to someone, there's those, your words go deeper in them than the words of someone else. Because you are the carriage of the king. You're the carriage of the spirit of God. Just for us to understand, it's important, where we are and, and what God's doing in us. So, um, I believe Paul is reminding us again, we live and function in the spirit world. And we need to function in the spirit of God to overcome the darkness. Again, we are living in the spirit world, so our prayers need to be in the spirit. In other words, God, I'm, I'm asking you to anoint my prayers when I pray them. Let them be from your heart. Let them be from your spirit. Let them just not be empty words. When you pray with your children at night or pray for your grandchildren or pray for somebody or your spouse or your friend, just, you're just not using words. Be conscious that these words are anointed by the spirit. That when I pray them, they're rattling heaven, that there's authority on them, that I'm praying in the spirit, and God's giving me thoughts. He's giving the right things to pray. So look at Ephesians 5:18. That just we can go put that up. It says, Do not get drunk with wine. Remember, this is right before he wrote this passage on spiritual warfare. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So we live. 
So what Paul's saying, actually, don't live in the flesh that desires more the flesh, but be filled and live by the Spirit. In other words, this, don't let your flesh dictate your life, dictate your prayers, dictate um, your words, but let the Spirit dictate, be filled with the Spirit. And we can entertain that. We can ask God to do that. So how do we pray? How do we speak? And how do we live in the spirit that Paul talked about? The first one is this. We need to remove hindrances. So basically, how do we walk in the authority of the spirit? How do we, how do we live in the spiritual world? One, you need to remove hindrances. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the spirit. So you can quench the spirit. So he, he wouldn't. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul would not say, do not quench the spirit if you could not quench the spirit. So you can quench the spirit. So you can go from, you can go from walking in the spirit, living in the spirit, praying in the spirit, to not living, walking, and praying in the spirit. You can quench it. And also in Ephesians 4.30, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not do something that grieves it, that keeps it at a distance. I, and, you know, to grieve something, this word is to, is to mourn something. Don't do that to the Spirit. So how do, what do we need to remove of hindrances? So is there anything in your life that could be quenching the Spirit? Is there disobedience? Again, we're maintaining our armor. Is there disobedience? Is there fear that that you're just allowing to to run wild and and you haven't laid it before the Lord? Is there unbelief about God or unbelief about who he is or unbelief about the word? Is there worry? These are the things that quench the spirit. And so we need to submit them to the Lord. So if I'm going to pray, speak, and live by the Spirit, I need to continually look at the gauges of my armor to see if anything needs to be removed, needs to be polished up, if there's any dirt got in there. It doesn't mean you always have a bunch of sin in your life. It doesn't mean you have to get saved every day again. You are already in Christ. Your identity has changed from darkness into light. You just need to check your gauge, check your armor, stay strong. I think a lot of mistakes Christians, Christians um, fall into is that they think that they're, they are, once they're saved, that they're, they don't need to do any gauge check. They don't need to kick the tires and check the oil. They don't need to, they don't need to do maintenance. And, and that's just not true. We all need to do maintenance on our spirits and our armor. Another thing that you can do by walking, praying, and living in the spirit is by yielding yourself. So you yield yourself. This word yield actually means to allow, to come under, to give over to, to surrender to, to open up to, to focus on, to seek after, to expect by faith. Yield to. This is a posture of your heart that can also be, it could even be the posture of your flesh. I was teaching um, last weekend at a men's conference, and, and I had the men come forward, and, and I asked them, I said, let your outward expression of your flesh reflect the posture of your heart right now and so some men raised their hands some men kneeled some men laid on their faces 
It was, there was this response by, they were yielding themselves, flesh, spirit, all before the Lord. And so we are only to yield our spirits to God and to God alone. We're not to give that to anyone else. So that's very important for us to understand. That's another hindrance to us. But we're only to yield our spirits to someone else. <laughs> Many years ago, I was in England. I was on a ministry trip. I was actually right out of, I was um, in college, and I was on a ministry trip with this um, team of my classmates, and we were ministering to these churches throughout the U.K., and I went to this castle, Warwick Castle. Has anyone ever been to Warwick Castle? It's a great, great, beautiful place. Um, and so you walk through, and they have some people interacting with you. And so we come up out of this, um, uh, out of this uh, like dungeon area, and you come up. And there was a guy standing up there, and he was pretending. But in order to pass, you had to kneel to him. And so my classmates were kneeling. And I, can't, I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not kneeling before you. Now, I was young, but something in me, I'm not kneeling before another man. I'm not going to do it. And he says, well, you must kneel in order to pass. And I, something in me would not yield. I'm not going to do it. And, I, and you also had to, like, pledge allegiance to such and such. And I, and I know it was a joke, and I, I, I'm not saying those who did it were wrong, but something in me. I, I was, I'm not yielding to you. And I just walked past him. And he tried to stop me, but he couldn't because he wasn't real. Thank God or he would have like killed me or something. But I walked right past him. Now, that seems silly to you, but that reflected a posture of my heart. I'm not kneeling or yielding to anybody else except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just, that's the, that was the posture of my heart. So we're not to yield or to give ourselves in to other things or other people. So the Spirit comes and rests rest on and flows through. I want you to hear this. Those who are yielding to him. Those who submit to him, yielding to him. It is not a coincidence I want you, do you remember when Jesus was being baptized by John? The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a what? Dove. Have you ever wondered why? I was reading something on this several years ago, and this blew my mind. Hopefully it blows yours. But... The dove, I grew up dove hunting. I, I, you'd sit in a field, and it was, a, it was a blast. But a dove only lands in a place that is safe, that it has determined is safe. So a dove actually approaches with caution. It comes down. If you watch a dove, it'll come down, and it will approach with caution. And it's looking to see if where it lands is a safe place. And it begins to descend when it feels and discovers it's a safe place to land. Yielding to God gives the Spirit a safe place to land. Basically, as the Spirit comes to, on us, the question is, can I trust you with my Spirit? Can I trust you by coming on you? And that's why you had the dove immediately land on Jesus because he was the perfect picture and perfect channel and perfect vessel that the Holy Spirit can land on because it's a safe place. 
So the Holy Spirit's looking for safe places to dwell on the earth. Our responsibility is to yield to him and to him alone so that we are a safe place for the Holy Spirit to flow through. So we pray, we speak, and we live by the Spirit by removing hindrances, by yielding to the Spirit, and by being led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always communicating in order to lead us in our daily purpose and ministry. It's always speaking. He, there's always a communication. I remember reading in a, um, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chamber. I know many of you have read it. He said this, the Spirit of God is always communicating. It's always speaking. We are, it's much like a, a radio. You know those old radios, now they're all digital. You could turn them and and then you'd hear something, you turn back and you'd hear. But we have to be tuned into the Spirit because the signal's always coming. It's always there. So we have to be led by the Spirit and we need to tune in to the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's always communicating. We, just, we need to open our hearts and submit and yield and be led by the Spirit. So when I pray, I want to pray things that are led by the Spirit. I don't want to pray things that Jason wants. I want, to be, I want to be praying because when I am praying, it's changing something. It's altering something. You need to understand that. When you're praying for your family, you are praying into the, you're doing spiritual warfare to them, for them in the Spirit. So when you pray, you don't want to be praying your thoughts. You don't want to be praying what you think ought to happen. You know, I, I, listen, we've had to make a lot of decisions, my wife and I, about ministry and directions. And many times they just didn't line up the way that felt comfortable. It didn't line up with the way that, that just seemed like the natural path. The Lord, we were committed to be led by the Spirit. And I remember someone telling us one day, well, I'm just going to pray that this and this happens. And I said, no, no, you're not going to pray that. Pray that God's will would be done. I don't want your will to be done in my life. God knows I don't want your will to be done in my life. I don't want my will to be done in my life. I want God's will to be done in my life. And when you pray by the Spirit and allow your spirit to, to discern, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to pray? And you can pray in the Spirit these words that God gives to us. There's also the, the, pra- the gift of pr- uh, our prayer language, which is the gift of tongues. We believe and in 1 Corinthians that Paul was not making something up there that only pertained to some people 2,000 years ago. And because we now have smartphones, we don't get to pray in the Spirit. We don't believe that here at the church. That it is a prayer language that you can pray by the Spirit with groanings. And it's a, it's a language God gives us. It's still, you, 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 may, you don't have to speak in tongues to pray in the Spirit. And that's not what Paul is saying. That's what I'm not saying either. But I want to pray about subjects and situations, conversations I know I'm going to need, or in the middle of them, decisions I need to make. Uh, and because there are details in subjects and conversations and, and, uh, and situations that I don't know about. And so I need to be able to pray into them beforehand. And all of a sudden I have a sense that, hmm, maybe there's going to be some friction here. So I begin to pray, Lord, I ask you that you remove friction from this conversation I'm going to have. And also while I'm praying about this conversation that I'm going to have tomorrow, I begin, God begins to show me, you know, that individual has been hurt 
And so you need to be very gentle with how you handle them. Lord, help me to help them. Help me to serve them in this conversation. Help me to speak to them in a way that edifies them and also helps them get to the place you want them to be. Lord, give me the words to say. I don't know what, but I'm going to trust you. So all of a sudden, I'm praying in the Spirit before I get to a situation to be led by the Spirit when I get there. Do I, am I, do I get it all the time? No way. But that's what it means to be led by the Spirit. One time I was um, praying for a young lady. Um, she was tormented by demonic spirits. And uh, it actually happened here at the church. It was up in one of these rooms. And um, she was just a young gal. She's 17 years old. And she'd been hearing in her, in her mind that she was going to die. She'd been hearing in her mind that Satan had own, owns her. And, and I, I start praying. And I'm not saying this to, for, to be theatrical at all. And if you're not used to this, I, I'm not saying this to, to be weird or anything. But um, she, she threw herself on the floor. She started growling and spitting and gripping things and making the weirdest of noises I've ever heard in my life. And luckily, I was there with actually one of our elders, Brian Wall, and we were praying for her. And I'm praying like, man, what is going on? You know, it, you know, in those situations, you're like, let me get my little handbook out and find out what I, you know, get your book of whatever. And you, at that moment, I got to know what's going on here. And so she, I'll just she was down on all fours, and her head was, twi- I, I was like, I, I've never seen any of these, these movies because I hate fear. I will not give fear any place in my life. I'm a man of faith and power and courage, and I won't, in, I won't allow fear to entertain me. So I've never seen any of these movies you see on TV, but you see the, the previews, and you're like, whoa, that's crazy looking. I was like, this is like the movies. It was happening. And, and so I was trying to, like, God, help me. And so you just do what you think. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over this. And I, and I come against you in the name of Jesus. And, you, and it was like nothing was happening. It was like brick wall, brick wall. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke as strong. I said, Lord, I need your help here because I don't know what to do. I need your help. And the Holy Spirit spoke as clear as a bell. She has believed a lie. And I thought, that's interesting. So I thought, okay, she's believed a lie. And then this is what he said. She thinks she's demon-possessed, but she's not. I thought, that's interesting. I don't remember ever hearing a story like this. I didn't, I've never heard one of my mentors talk about this. I, I, and so I just I said, okay. I said, sweetheart, and I called her by name. I said, look at me. And she stopped. She looked at me. I thought, well, that's interesting. I said, I want you to sit down. She sat down. And the Lord started just giving me every question to ask her. Have you seen this movie? She said, yes. And I said, when did the enemy start lying to you? Or when did the enemy start telling you all these things? She says, actually, I, she said, I, I was involved. I got a, she was a Christian. She got involved in witchcraft. And she, she actually had a book of spells. And she was doing spells. And then she wanted to... Then she recommitted her life to Jesus. After she recommitted her life to Jesus, she started, these things started happening in her. And so the enemy was telling her, I own you, I possess you. And so 
everything that she knew of these movies she had seen, the things she'd been involved in, because she believed, now this, this is strange, but this is how it went down. Because she believed that she was demon-possessed, she, she began to act as though she was demon-possessed, but she was not demon-possessed. So it was a behavior which she thought she was to act like that. The lie was so strong, it caused her actions to line up in belief with the lie, but she was not demon-possessed. It's interesting, isn't it? Now, I couldn't have thought of that myself. That was nothing that Jason thought of. And when I told her that, and I said, listen, you are not demon-possessed, she began to weep. She broke. And I said, that is a lie from Satan. You are not demon-possessed. And I said, sweetheart, do you love Jesus? She said, I love Jesus so much. And she was gripped by fear. And so we, we rebuked fear off of her life. And God, her countenance changed. She went from this darkness and fear and worry to this sense of peace and life. And this is what it means to be led by the Spirit. I, I, this, this was no, there was no natural thing in there that I discerned this. This was led by the Spirit. That's important to be led by the Spirit. So he leads us beyond our initial information. He leads us, we see past situations and see what's going on behind the situation. That's the spirit. We live in a spirit one. That's beautiful. We have access to that. So when you're dealing with a child, when you're dealing with a, with a parent, with your dealing, whatever, you can say, hang on, Lord, give me wisdom beyond with what I see. We mainly get, we wind ourselves up with what we see all the time. Remember, people are not the enemy, but we wind ourselves up with people. God, to be led by the Spirit is to take time, time out, what's going on really in this situation. So, all of us have been led by the Spirit in prayer, and we didn't even know it. I guarantee it. There have been times you've been praying, and all of a sudden you had this thought, and you begin to pray that direction. You had this thought, you begin to pray that direction. That's the Spirit leading you. I just want to encourage you, go with that leading. Begin to, let's be people who are led by the Spirit. When you're praying for our church, begin to pray about things that come to your mind. Begin to, to, to just pray protection, to pray life, to whatever it is. Just be led by the Spirit. You don't have to have these cookie-cutter prayers. So another reason um, that we are to be, uh, another way, sorry, another way that we can live, walk, and speak in the Spirit is to be empowered by the Spirit. Or flow through or speak through us. That we're to be a channel for the Holy Spirit to work on the earth through your life. It's kind of like there is a, um, well, let, let, me, let me say this first and then I'll get to that story. You and I both want our lives to do things that seem impossible. We do. I want my life to be empowered by the Spirit. We want to be able to go. Two, we want to be able to confront evil. We want to arrive in spaces and places that the enemy thought a Christian would never go. I want to go there. But we cannot do this without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of like there was a submarine off the coast of um, off the East Coast many years ago during the World War II, and they were doing maneuvers. They were they were surfacing and diving and surfacing and diving, and they were being watched on a uh, on the radar. They were surfacing and diving, and they dove and they disappeared, gone. 
They thought that it, was, that it was the Russians. They thought that something had happened. They thought maybe they, they somehow defected and went somewhere else. They, they didn't know what was going on. But later they found that the submarine had imploded. And so what it means to implode is this, that the pressure on the outside becomes greater than the pressure on the inside. And so the pressure on the outside became greater than the pressure on the inside. So if we're to, it's very important for us to be empowered by the Spirit. So the pressure on the inside is never overtaken by the pressure on the outside. We're to be empowered by the Spirit. And we do this by surrendering ourselves constantly to him. We do this by being honest with ourselves, with things going on in our life. We do this by being self-aware of who we are as a unique followers of Jesus. Because there are things for you that are going, you're going to need to watch. So that the pressure on the outside doesn't become greater. So you can keep this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Constantly walking with your purpose in mind to live the life that God's called you to live. In the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Spirit came on individuals to, to accomplish certain tasks. You had Samson. It says the Spirit would come on Samson to accomplish a task. A task. So he could take a jawbone of a donkey and he could kill, you know, all these different men. I don't remember. How many was it? A thousand men. Thank you, brother. Because the Spirit came on him. He was a, when the Spirit came on him, he was able to do a certain task. But the Spirit wasn't constantly on him. But when the Spirit did come on him, it was for a purpose. But under the new covenant of Jesus' blood, the Spirit doesn't come on us. The Spirit lives in us. We are the housing of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't do anything without the flow of the Spirit through our lives. And these are ways that we maintain it, as we've talked about. We don't speak without it, we don't pray without it, and we don't live without the Spirit. Make sure we pray, we speak, and we live in the Spirit. But what's very important when we talk about this, this issue of spiritual warfare, and I, I want to talk to you something that's very necessary when we begin to process through this. Um, I, I, want, I want to use a word that we need to understand and embrace. It's this word, balance. We need to be balanced. In the Christian world, the pendulum swings from one, actually, we say from some people to another. Actually, I think it's more from one generation to another. One generation has this, they're over here doing stuff, and then the pendulum swings, and it comes back over here. Um, and we need to just be careful as that, we, uh, that we keep a balance, and so every core doctrine in Christianity, especially spiritual warfare, has extremes. But this is what I believe where extremes come from. Um, I believe extremes are birthed out of the desire of discovering something that no one else knows. I really do. If you look at extremes, it usually comes from someone wanting to know something that no one else knows. And I personally believe some extreme beliefs are birthed out of pride some are birthed out of lack of knowledge. But also God uses extremes also in the body of Christ so that we can challenge each other and rub each other and need each other. So spiritual warfare is no exception. It's the same thing. So why do we get out of balance? And I'll just give you a few points and I'm going to wrap this up. 
Why do we get out of balance with spiritual warfare? For one, because we're human. That's why. Because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. Because we're human. And we tend to get out of balance because God has given us a revelation about something. This happens a lot. God actually gives you a fresh revelation. It's fresh and new. But all of a sudden you tend to get out of balance with it. And we get out of balance because it's something that's very meaningful to us. People who are out of balance, what they're out of balance about, they care about deeply. But they, they, they just look at that one issue and they, just, they go so deep in it that they forget about what's called the totality of Scripture. How all Scripture speaks to whatever is meaningful to them. So the, what, why do we get out of balance? Because something is meaningful to us. Because we're human. And secondly, because it, it, I think we get out of balance. I think it keeps us in need of one another and of him. I think there's a purpose sometimes of extremes. So God wants us to need one another. God wants us to be able to be with him, to do spiritual warfare, to check our our armor, to check our gauges, to make decisions based on his spirit. Um, God, God, it's very interesting, spiritual warfare, sometimes there can be a lot of symbolism in it that the people in your church uses. Um, In the Old Testament, God told, actually, you find with David, you find with the people of Israel, he told them to do battle differently almost every single time. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. So God likes us to stay dependent on him. He doesn't want to say, here's, here's what you do every time in spiritual warfare, this is what you do. He wants to stay dependent on him. There's a story where David is, is attacking and, God, what do I do? Show me what to do and how do I go in? And, and God says, when you hear the wind blow in the top of the mulberry trees, then you'll know that it's time for me to go. Okay, but it didn't happen again. So every time David said, Lord, I I believe you're calling me to conquer this. Show me what to do. Okay, now you need to go do this. And it's, it's like it's God keeps us on our toes. And the danger of saying this is what you do for spiritual warfare. This is how you do spiritual warfare. Here's your book. Let me read this. and go. Now, there are principles you can live by, but there are not just cut, clean cut things. We have to be led by the Spirit. It's kind of like the realm of the prophetic or the realm of dreams. So you have a dream and you're like, in the dream, I saw the color blue. And someone flips open their color chart. Blue means royalty. Sure it does, unless God wants it to mean cold. Blue means this. Sure it does. It could, unless God wants it to mean the sky. So we, we got to be very careful. Or it means calm. Or it means the sea. So it, it, I... I'm very leery and saying, well, that color always means this, or this always means that. We always have to, in spiritual warfare, be led of the Spirit, really what's going on. Kind of like in the case of the girl I was talking about. We must be open to the Spirit. God wants us to be around believers, though, who think differently so that we can challenge and rub against each other. So spiritual warfare, there are two there are balances, and there's two sides Two extremes, I guess to say. C.S. Lewis said this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. I went to Bible college 
And I, I was around people who had an excessive interest in demons. I was like, man, you're crazy. Like it was, they were trying to find demons all the time. And those, so those are those who overemphasize. That's the one, that's the one side, those who overemphasize, which we should have a, a slide for that. Those who overemphasize. Is it the next one? Yep, there it is. So those who overemphasize the demonic. Um, you see this a lot in Bible college. You see this a lot with young Christians. You see this a lot with, with uh, certain organizations or whatever. They overemphasize the demonic. If the wind blows, it's demonic. If the chair breaks, it's demonic. If a tree looks funny, it's demonic. Um, if the animal comes on your property, then that animal is, has a demon in it. If the car doesn't start, it's the devil's fault. If you drink a monster energy drink, you're, you're opening yourself up to the demonic. I mean, I, I'm not, and all these things that I've mentioned are things that I've experienced that someone has said. If you're wearing a hat and it has uh, this, this thing on it, it's demonic. And so it's, it's, uh, if you're sick, it's demonic. If you're cranky, it's demonic. Yeah, it'd be nice, though, every time I'm cranky. It's the devil. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my blood sugar. If you have a different opinion of mine, you're demonic. If you fall asleep in class or while I'm preaching to you, it's demonic, which I actually think that one's true. No, I'm just kidding. If the door slams because of the wind. So there are those, they overemphasize. That's one extreme. Then you have the others, which is you underemphasize it. In other words, God does everything and Satan is doing nothing. That's not true either. These people refuse to see anything evil and think if they speak it, um, think, sorry, and think if they speak, it is not there. Or if they say something about it, then it will show up. So they just think, you know what, we won't ever say anything about it. A lot of times, those who blame demonic things are really because they've opened the door up in their own life. So you can, listen, you can blame the devil. You can come against the devil all you want. You can shout at the devil. You can bind the devil. But until you close the door, which allows the devil in, he will still influence. So it's much easier to, to, uh, to pray against the, the enemy instead of dealing with the brokenness in your heart. Or dealing with the bitterness or asking God to forgive you. So, those who underemphasize it, I don't know where I went on that one. But they say there's no bondage, there's no sin, there's no consequence of sin. There's not Satan um, trying to tempt us or destroy us. They, they deny the reality um, in the name of faith. No, it doesn't. He doesn't. He can't do anything to me. Um, we, we know that there are people in regions who are bound and oppressed. And there, we know this. And so when you see this, you have to acknowledge it. If you're a missionary, you have to come to the realization there are real demonic powers in that area. And you've you got to be able to deal with them. You see them. So two problems with these two beliefs. And I'll go over these, and then I am going to wrap us up. So two problems with these beliefs. One is those who overemphasize. They are ignorant to victory. So the question is, do I believe demons are active on the earth? Yes, I do. Do I believe demonic strongholds are real? Yes, I do. Do I believe that victory over them is possible? Yes, I do. And, and these people overemphasize they're exhausting on, on mission trips. I mean, they're rebuking demons everywhere. Uh, I, I, was, you know, I, was in the, I was in an ocean with a guy who started rebuking the demon of the spirit of death that's going to possess the sharks that are going to eat us. I don't want to hear that. I'm like, no, you're just scared, and you're trying to blame it on, on a devil. Like, stop it. 
And they rebuke things that out of walls, out of pictures, out of, and they're always fighting, man, always fighting, never resting. And the issue with these people, they never break through to a place of victory. They're always fighting. They're, all, they're always in this slug them out, punch them, knock them down, go to the next one. They never break through through a place of God has the victory. I take authority over this and I come against this and I'm breaking through in the name of Jesus. They don't ever break through. Those who underemphasize, they are ignorant of the devil himself. These people never ask the question, is the enemy influencing this? They would say, if you ask these questions, then you're going to make room for the devil to start to influence. These people um, believe Jesus at the cross eradicated Satan completely from the earth. Did Jesus conquer sin? Yes. Did Jesus take authority of humanity? Yes. Are we free from the powers of darkness in Christ? Yes, according to 1 Peter 5.8. But the, the issue is this, Satan is still roaming. He is still at work. Scripture is very clear of that. So we need to understand that there is a fight that's going on. Another problem with people who overemphasize is that team, it tends, those who overemphasize, and you, you, I'm sure you'll resonate with some of this, it tends to develop an elitism and exclusiveness. In other words, these are the people who have the answers, and in their mind, everyone else is ignorant. They're the ones who are always fighting, rebuking, and demons, and this, and so they, they're the ones that know everything, but no one else does. They're the only ones that really know what's going on, we're the only ones in our community that understand these things. There's an elitism. And so I, I have a few more things I want to share. But actually, I, I want to close with this because I think it's very, very important with spiritual warfare. Um, that we're to let God's word lead us, not feelings or emotions. Um, but his, his truth remains supreme. So when we are, the reality is, are you in a battle? Yes, you are. Do you have the armor on? Yes, you do. Is it your responsibility to maintain that? Yes, it is. What we're talking about tonight is really just basic Christian living where you evaluate, where is my heart? Do I have bitterness? Do I have anger? Have I allowed the enemy to work something in me? Have I not surrendered some of these things that leave me vulnerable to the enemy? Am I dabbling in sin that I'm just not taking care of and I'm not confessing? And then once you go through all those things, once you say, yes, I am, yes, okay. So the reality is this. You have authority in Jesus Christ whether you feel like you do or not. You have the authority to come against demonic powers whether you feel like you do or not. So does your authority change just because you don't feel it? No, it doesn't. Because that, that's just, that's not the way God works. And we cannot, allow, we cannot allow our feelings to dictate our truth, but we must allow his truth to dictate our feelings. So God has two focuses on the planet. Two focuses in the heart of God and on the earth. And one is to win the lost, and the other is to build up believers, to strengthen us, to meet our needs. So the purpose of spiritual warfare is to support and carry out these two objectives on the earth all the time. Win the lost and meet the needs of others. This is what you're dealing with. You're praying for people, for strongholds to be broken off people's lives so that God can remove the scales from their eyes and they can get saved. 
You're dealing with situations with, with the hearts of people who have been deceived. That you're praying that God would, 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 that the enemy would be silenced. That the enemy would be crushed. That they would break through to a place of peace and rest. And this is, um, this is real spiritual warfare. And it doesn't do us any good to rebuke demons, to come against them, to try to do all kinds of stuff. If it doesn't result in reaching the lost and meeting the needs of people. And that's part of us as the church. We are to, we are to understand the heart of God and the purpose of spiritual warfare. It is to, it's to reach the lost and to meet the needs of people. And so wherever we are tonight, whatever you're dealing with in your life, whatever you're going through, the question is this. Like, we have to move forward. God's given us land that we can take. He's given you victories that are for you, that he has victories for you and your family. The, the point for us tonight is we have to evaluate our, our, our armor we need to align our hearts with his heart. We need to submit under him. And we need to walk in our authority. And we need to understand that we're in a real battle. And we need to walk in that authority. Not allow our emotions to lead us. To allow God's truth to lead us. And to understand this spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle is for us to fight. It's for us to be in. That's, that's where we are. And I hope you guys, I hope this is helping you. It's a, it's a very systematic approach to this to this spiritual warfare. It's not loaded with emotion. It's not loaded with um, a lot of inspiration. It's just the reality of where we are. And, uh, and, I, and, and I believe that God wants to use us in this. I believe God wants to use the church to begin to do things that binds the work of the enemy. I believe that what God wants to do here in the surrounding area of this church is that what God does here at Faith Bible Chapel is seen and heard around the world because we are a people that understand our position in the kingdom of God. That when we gather together to pray that demonic forces have to flee, that strongholds of addiction of people's lives are broken because of the power of Jesus Christ. That men who are caught in addiction of pornography or caught in adultery and they can't break the cycle, they've believed a lie. That we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being empowered and in, in Christ, that we can come against these things for the sake of that person's need and for the sake of his soul or her soul, whatever it is. We are engaged in a battle. We are warriors in the body of Christ. We are part of God's kingdom to grow the kingdom. And that the, uh, we, and what God says is that we are to take it by force. That doesn't mean pick up a baseball bat and take it by force. It means by the spirit, take it by force. And so I'm believing that God has breakthrough in many of your lives, that it's available, it's for you. And we can begin to pray in the Spirit. We can be, begin to be led by the Spirit, to be empowered by the Spirit, because we are equipped to be the people of God. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.